you know, when people are hurting and they're afraid, mm. they're open. Yeah. And if, if we love them mm-hmm. and, and share God's word, both in words and deeds, the Spirit of God is using that in great ways. So I'm actually very optimistic in a very challenging time. How do you find and keep hope alive? I will find hope in what Jesus Christ did for me. Do we believe? My hope is centered totally, completely in Him. Do we trust? I have hope today because of what Jesus did on the cross. His hope doesn't change. Hope is triumphant. I'll try. I'll try. Hello there, my name is Carol Davis from the Light FM Morning Show, and this is the What Hope Sounds Like podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Chip Ingram. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Great to be with you. So glad that you are here. Just want to dive right in and talk about real faith in these times which we're living. We've been through a pandemic, still dealing with the effects of that. And how have you as a pastor seen the faith community change throughout this last couple of years that we've been dealing with? The pandemic? Well, I'd say uh, probably the biggest thing we've seen is maybe the pandemic has been the great revealer. Mm. Um, you know, we've built an awful lot about weekend services, and it was very gradual and it was very subtle. And Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples, not just grow weekend services. Mm. So don't get me wrong. I've been a pastor for you know 40 years, yeah. and uh, the weekend service is a very important part. But when you shut that down, what we saw was uh, an imploding of, of a lot of local churches and what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? And then, I, and then I think some of the response, uh, I saw two extremes. And one extreme was um, a lot of anger, mm. a lot of uh, arguments on very important but secondary things. Right. Uh, and so churches have been divided around vaccine or no vaccine, mm. mask or no mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've interacted much of my life now is with pastors here and mm-hmm. uh, overseas, and and I've sat with pastors who've just told me uh, I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm. Uh, half if I open the church, half of the people will leave because why are you putting me in danger? If we don't open the church, the other half are going to leave because you're not courageous and are willing to step out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we say that you need to wear a mask because that's what our local area requires. Well, then half the church is leaving, and and, and they've just told me, um, I've never seen pastors so discouraged, and I've never seen such disunity mm. in the body of Christ around, yes, they're important, and it's good to have opinions, but the flag that needs to fly over the church is Jesus, mm. and you would hope that we would have the maturity to say, we may disagree on... You know, when people say follow the science, what we all know now is no one has any idea what we're right. <laughs> which science and it depends who's talking and right. all the rest. But I think we've quickly uh, gravitated toward a what about me, my opinion. Mm. And I hear a lot of anger coming out of the church, both toward uh, those outside, but uh, toward one another. And, and I will say the other extreme is I've seen some churches that realized perhaps this is our greatest day. Mm. Um, if, if you read, uh, there was a sociologist named Rodney Stark mm-hmm. who's written two or three major big books. I don't know where he's coming uh, from spiritually, but what he wanted to try and do was um, examine how in the world you go from about 120 people 300 years later uh, in the Roman Empire, the estimates there were maybe 60 million people, 33 million of them were followers of Christ. Right. His explanation from a human standpoint was there were three major pandemics. 
that wiped out whole metropolitan areas. Mm. And the Christians were the only one that stayed. Mm. And he said, you would actually have, I mean, huge, major, major cities. The wealthy could go to the mountains, who the only people left were those who survived it Mm. or the people who helped them get through it. And um, it just became... They loved people at great sacrifice, not looking to themselves. And I think I've, I've got a lot of personal contact with some churches that schools were closed down. One particular church said they paid for food trucks to come in these mm. super poverty areas so kids would have food. Uh, another church I know of, you know, uh, the situation families were hurting. Yeah. They paid electric bill. In other words, they became very missional. They mm-hmm. put on masks. They did what they needed to do. But their question wasn't, what about us? And why don't, why don't and when can we have things back to normal? Right. It was really a, people were open like never before. Let's serve like never before. And they had their own issues. I don't want to paint it as everything was easy, but it's very interesting to see a phenomenal number of people that have come to Christ and the number of people who uh, said, you know, I was very anti-Christian, anti-religion. Uh, one of the teachers in this low, low-income school said, I just can't argue with the way that you all have loved mm. our students, our teachers, and those in poverty here. I have to rethink my view of Christianity. Wow. Wow. And that's how it should be. That's exactly how it should be. That was the early church. Right. And, yeah. Right. My, my perspective more than anything now is the 21st century is way more like the first century than it was the last century. Mm. You know, we, we, we had 150, 200 years, depending on who's, you know, calculating of a culture that by and large um, supported our faith. There was a Judeo-Christian yeah. ethic. But, but what we got to remember is that's like a, let's call it a 150 year window or even a hundred years that's completely abnormal mm-hmm. to all of history. Um, right. Most most Christians, you know, when I'm in China or mm-hmm. when I'm in Southeast Asia or I'm in places in the Middle East where it's illegal and people are being killed, when they read First Peter, mm-hmm. I mean, that's their lifeblood. Right. This is how you live in a hostile world. And I think for us, we sort of skip over First Peter because up until recently, we haven't talked about what's it like to live out your faith as it gets more and more difficult and challenging. I heard one author say we're no longer the home team. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. So you said the the pandemic has been the great revealer. Do you think these issues were there all along? They've just become more prominent, or do you think they're new issues? Uh, I think they've been there all along. And I think, um, you know, as someone wisely said, you don't really know what you believe until mm. it's tested, mm. until there's a cost. And, and I don't mean that people aren't fully convinced. I mm. love Jesus with all my heart. Um, he, uh, he's my savior. I'm sold out to him. Uh, this is what I believe about these moral issues until some of those issues come home mm. or there's financial input or people are now making fun of you or it's in that test you find out Um our behavior always reveals what we really believe. Mm. And I think what we've seen, sadly, uh, is that the behavior of many Christians has been a lot of anger and hostility uh, toward one another mm-hmm. and, and toward the government and others. And don't get me wrong, we are citizens. We have every right and we're compelled by Scripture to be 
good citizens, to stand for the truth. Right. This isn't like being a doormat, mm -hmm. but uh, you don't have to go on Facebook for more than about 10 minutes <laughs> or Twitter and hear some of the harshest uh, name-calling, treating people with lack of dignity and like the enemy are lost people who disagree with you rather than the enemy being the one who's deceived them. And um, so I think we're, we're living in a new world, mm -hmm. and I think it's a, it's a day where, by contrast, uh, when I talk to ministries that have leaned in, uh, the Billy Graham Association, mm -hmm. Samaritan's Purse, mm -hmm. uh, churches and others, they have told me they have never seen more people come to Christ mm -hmm. than they have recently. Yeah. What we have seen uh, in America and all around the world in ways we have never dreamed is uh, people that are leaning in and making disciples. So you're kind of seeing both sides of, uh, you know, when people are hurting and they're afraid, mm. they're open. Yeah. And if, and if we love them mm -hmm. and, and share God's word, both in words and deeds, uh, the spirit of God is using that in great ways. So I, I'm actually very optimistic in a very challenging time. Yeah. And, and a lot of, just as you said before, a lot of pastors aren't. And so sometimes when we look to those leaders and they are discouraged, we tend to get that whole despair mentality and like, okay, here we are. The world is bad. What do we do now? So as a pastor, what would you encourage somebody listening today who says, you know what, I, I, we've lived through this, but I'm, I'm weary, I'm tired. Yeah. How do I begin to step out and begin to rekindle my faith and, and, and share it with those around me? Where do we go from here? Well, I think first and foremost is I would just encourage fellow believers uh, to get your nose back into the Bible. Mm. And, and because it's, it's, it's our anchor, it's our hope. The, the early church, the very last thing, Jesus knew that 11 of 12 disciples would be martyred. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew. I mean, the Roman Empire was brutal. There was poverty. I mean, everything that we are facing, it, it was 100x on steroids. And that early church not only grew, but changed the world. Mm. But so what did he say in John 14? You know, he said, here's your hope. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Mm. Um, if we're asking this world to deliver the happiness, the comfort, the things that we really want, uh, I'm glad for all that I get. But I think we have to pause and say, okay, our real hope is that there is an eternity and there is a heaven, and I'm going to live a counterculture life. And I can't do that apart from God's word, mm -hmm. being in community. Um, you can't sit in your pajamas and watch TV and say, wow, this famous speaker, that was good, and that was good, and that was good. I'm really glad that we have that available yeah. to inspire me. Yeah. But convictions don't come from hearing great Bible teachers tell me what's true. Yeah. Convictions come when I'm in the scriptures for myself and the Holy Spirit takes the word of God that's mm -hmm. written and makes it the living word that, that, that grabs a hold of my heart. Mm -hmm. And I lean in, and despite my fears, I take a step of faith slash obedience and then he begins to work in me, and, it, and that births hope in me. And so I think that's, that's the, the first step. And, and I think the second is to just change our expectations. Mm -hmm. Just, hey, guess what? It's why are you surprised at the fiery trial that you're going through, right? Yep. First Peter 4. Yep. Uh, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, mm -hmm. uh, you know. First Timothy three. Well, wait a second. We're not claiming a lot of those those promises. Sure. You know, um, don't grow weary in well doing. You know, Paul would say to the Galatians. 
So I, I think it's a matter of changing some expectations. And then I think we need to say, um, do we really believe God's in control or not? Mm. And if so, then it's asking not, how will this work out for me? But God, what do you want to do in me and through me? Um, I, uh, I gave a little acronym. And if people are interested in a, a, in a fuller, like, where do we go from here? Um, in the midst of the pandemic, and it's too long of a story, but we found ourselves helping pastors all around the world, about mm. 10,000 pastors in 60 countries. I mean, as bad as we've had it, think of India, Africa, a market closes. Yeah. Uh, in parts of the Philippines, you couldn't leave your house for like three months. Uh, so people weren't giving online. Pastors were, I mean, it was horrendous. Mm -hmm. And so we tried to give hope and encouragement. And when we came out of that, they sort of said, okay, now what do we do? And um, not to be misunderstood, but as I was praying one day and having all this feedback from all these pastors around the world, we birthed a series called uh, um, What Now? What Next? Making Disciples in a Disrupted World. And what I said, here's our new focus. Our focus needs to be on Christ, mm. not causes. Mm. I mean, these. by the way, if, if people are really living out Christ, issues like uh, abortion, mm -hmm. issues like poverty, issues like the sex trade, God will continue to raise up Christians. But if we make our primary focus the causes, mm -hmm. then what happens is Christ gets diminished. Second, we need to make our priority healing, not hostility. Mm. So in the midst of these losses and these hurts, we need to say, how do I, how do I heal relationships? How do I help people that are hurting worse than me? rather than being angry about, quote, what's being taken away. Uh, the third was our passion needs to be relationships, not real estate. Mm. Uh, we as pastors, I just have to confess, we've usually measured our success by buildings, right. bodies, and budgets. Mm. And Jesus said they'll know uh, we're Christians by our love yeah. for one another. Mm. So I think it's a, a return to passionate, deep, authentic relationships. Um, and then I think our attitude needs to be innovation rather than indignation. Mm. Um, every major crisis, uh, I have a, a friend, he's now the CEO of Intel, and uh, he, he, he always says, never waste a crisis. Mm. And uh, crisis allows for disruption of this is the way it used to be, traditions that would never change, attitudes that would never change. It sort of toil, tills up the soil. You can't meet on the weekends, but what are programs that basically you had to keep doing and they spent a lot of time, but when you look at it, were they really producing Christ-like disciples? Right. Now's the time to rethink ministry and innovate. And what I'm seeing is that pastors and churches that do and ministries that do, um, they're growing like crazy with impact. And then I think our, our new metric has to be um, substance, not success. Mm. You know, I think we, we've just lived in a world where how many people show up and, you know, how many people likes you have and how many people online. Right. We need to start asking what kind of people are leaving our churches rather than how many are associated with our churches. And then the final one for me is where's our hope is I think we need to uh, it's got to be about trust, not technology. Wow. And yeah. uh, that makes a little acronym of Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, I. Praise God for technology. Sure. If it wasn't for that, they wouldn't be listening to you right sure. now. Right. And I wouldn't have this opportunity. But but what's happened is over time, somehow, some way, there's this unconscious technology is going to solve these problems. Mm. 
Yeah. And the fact of the matter is um, the horse needs to be ready for battle, Mm. but victory belongs to the Lord. God, thanks for all the tools you've given us. But um, being able to do something online or having hybrid churches or someday, some way, if we can do this or that, God is looking for very ordinary people who have humble hearts, who will be willing to do whatever, and who say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I trust you. Absolutely. So I, I think Good that's stuff. the, at, at least in my world, mm-hmm. um, as I am meeting with pastors, uh, hey, let's let's do this together. And and by the way, it's really, really hard. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. It's really hard. Yeah. But life is hard anyway. It sure is. <laughs> and making disciples is not just a pastor's job. We've gotten away from that. Yes. Well, I mean, the pastor's job is to equip right. the saints, right. God's people, to do the work in the ministry. Right. And um, you're right. And I think, I think if people could realize, especially the way the world is changing, and it's an old, maybe it's a cliche, but to begin to just ponder, whether you like it or not, you are the greatest Christian some people will ever meet. Mm. And their whole view of Jesus, the future, hope, the Bible, uh, Christianity will be what you post on Facebook, what you tweet. Uh, what you say in private conversations. Mm. I, and I'm just going to say this because I've, I've said it to my close friends. Let's, yes, we all need to have a little window with a friend or maybe two where very privately we vet mm-hmm. and we whine and we sure. get it all out. And this isn't fair and this is right. And they said that and I don't agree with that and blah, 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 blah. And then we need to just shut up <laughs> and stop whining and say, okay. Yeah. If anybody's going to make a difference, we've got the spirit of the living God mm. inside of us. We can't be the negative naysayers. Let's winsomely, lovingly speak the truth, take a stand, and then let's be problem solvers mm. instead of problem identifiers. Wow. Such good stuff, Chip. And we can always count on that from you and your program, Living on the Edge. It's been such a blessing to our listeners for so many years. So on behalf of all of them who maybe you'll never hear from, Thank you for continuing to teach the Bible and giving us practical ways to live out our faith every day. We appreciate you. Uh, Thank you very much.